0: Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Bacar Bin Vi'im Tovim Veratave Divrehem Ve Hane'emarim Be'emet Baruch Atah Adonai haboker BaTorah Uf Moshe Avdo Uf Amo Uf HaEmet Vazedek Amen Amen Well tried a little singing tune today. So, welcome to the Haftarah Get You Some for Chaye Sarah with Shomerman and Chastis. And, um, man, here we go. Let's do it.
1: Alright. Well, it's exciting. We, last time we're here, we got into a, a new section beside Yeshiya. Um, Again. about, you know, Alicia. And now we're actually taking it take it back to uh king david's rule or shall i say like the transitioning period Mm. from david to to shlomo and like there's a whole bunch of characters um there's a whole bunch of drama and and conflict and and plotting going on and so it's this is a very exciting half tour i would agree and so you really just have this like link with the whole this idea of like legacy and passing down this legacy um, and a, as well as just you know this this concept that we'll explore in the half term, like hopefully at least touch on um, this idea of what makes uh, like a, a a great leader. What separates like these these good kings from these like kings who were were essentially canceled out of rulership and leadership.
0: Mm. Well, uh, are you also going to, in our character development, um, talk about a previous mentioned person from our last week's off tour?
1: Previous mentioned person by?
0: The name of the Shunammite woman?
1: Yes, I'm going to mention that in the um, Encyclopedia of Biblical Personalities.
0: woo all right. So, that's what I'm I'm excited about that. (laughs)
1: going through there so there's definitely a connection this is so it's so amazing that we can get to um so just kind of a go through and overview just of our our verses and we're getting our characters all right so this is all from uh first Malachim. this is first kings chapter one and the first few verses we have uh abishag is employed to warm King David. 5 to 10, Adonah, proclaims himself king. Uh, 11 to 21, Bathsheba brings this to King David's attention. 23 to 27, the prophet Natan confirms her words. And 28 and 31 is David's promises to Bathsheba to rectify the situation by installing Shlomo as king. And this is taking place. Um, oh, see, I lost my place here. For anyone who likes uh, time frames and kind of wants to know what time period this is at, David's death is marked in 962 BCE, Mm. when Shlomo became the third king of Israel.
0: All right.
1: Okay, so going to our names, here we start out with David.
0: Okay, Okay.
1: so go to David, a little bit about David, and I figured we'd we'd start out a little bit about uh, him in Shiva, and then a little bit about his death, so this is towards the end of his life, and this this issue is going to come up within the half-Torah. Okay. But this is what Rashi says, says, whoever set out on a military campaign for the house of David wrote a bill of divorce for his wife on the condition that he died in battle. The divorce should be effected from then. Mm. Talking about when he was reunited with Bathsheba. Okay. And also mentions for Avadah the episode of Bathsheba was not keeping with David's nature. As is written, my heart has died within me, i.e. my evil inclination is powerless. Why didn't do it, Why then did he do it? Why was he not saved by heaven from doing it? To teach us that if a person sins, he is told, go to the person who repented, i.e. to David, and he repented as he did. So it was like this whole purpose of why why he was put through that situation was the idea of to give us an example of true repentance. All right. And we have um, this idea here. So for the episode with Bathsheba, David was punished four times. It says... He shall repay the lamb fourfold, Second Samuel twelve six, with the child whom died soon after birth, Amnon, Tamar, and Absalom. That's according to Talmud Yoma twenty two b. And just take a little side note on that, because if you go back to the story of David, he had a child with Bathsheba at first, and this child was essentially died right. before. Before it even reached eight days, and so this is actually mentioned in the Talmud, Talmud nine, uh, to be exact, commentary, and it's a bit ambiguous in how it how it starts it off. It says for the conductor on the death of Levin, but in Hebrew it says Lam Al Mut and art scroll uh, commentary on this it goes through and says. Ashlik maintains that Labin means to a son, and that the psalm is in memory of the first son whom Bathsheba bore to David. The child died seven days after birth as a punishment for his father's impropriety in the affair. Upon learning of the tragic death of his infant, David was not overwrought with grief, but rather he rose calmly, washed and changed, and went to pray before God. Because he was so severely afflicted, David rejoiced, for he knew that God was putting him through the process of repentance and forgiveness whitening the blackness of sins, thus labin has a double meaning to the sun and to whiten. Precisely for this reason, David does not say Almut Habin, but rather labin, in order to inject this dual message. Whatever happened to the sun caused David to be whitened. This positive attitude is further reflected by prefacing the Psalm La which literally means to the victorious, because David here exalts in his emotional triumph over the melancholy of tragic death, and so, in here is the whole whole concept of the son's death bringing a cleansing, bringing an atonement to, to sin. Wow! And this is the first aspect of uh, of sort of punishment for David, and it was really for a cleansing. So it goes to show, every time we're punished, it's really just for a cleansing for us.
0: Oh, Amen. <laughs>
1: He goes, David died um, on Shavuot, and says, three departed in this world at the time of the Sabbath Minka prayer, and all were included in Moshe in his soul, the faithful prophet Moshe, Joseph the righteous, and King David, Zohar 2, 156a. So he departed on Shavuot during Minka time. And it's pretty interesting here. It says, David prayed to the Hakadosh Baruch who, Let me know Hashem my end. God replied, I have decreed that the end of all flesh and blood is not revealed. David requested, That I may know when I will cease to live. God replied, You will die on the Sabbath. David asked, Let me die on Sunday, so that I will not be eulogized and buried without delay, so that I will be eulogized Sikah, and buried without delay. Said God, By then the reign of your son Shlomo will have begun. And one kingdom may not encroach even a hair's breadth on another. If so, said David, let me die on the eve of the Sabbath. God replied, for one day in your courtyards is better than a thousand elsewhere. From then on, David dedicated every Sabbath exclusively to the study of Torah. The angel of death, finding that he had no power over David because of this incessant t- Torah study, wondered, what shall I do? David had an orchard behind his house. angel of death climbed to the trees and made a great noise. David went out to see what was happening, but continued to study Torah orally as he walked. Then a step broke beneath his foot. Startled, he stopped learning, and his soul departed. Oh. And so this happened on, like a Shavuos after, uh, around the time of Minka. So this is this is the whole depth of of David. And what's interesting here is we actually there's actually a custom that David set up because of this, and. He knew he was going to die on the Sabbath, and so every, every time after the Sabbath, he would actually celebrate um, a meal known as Malaveh Malcha, which is, colloquially, it's like the, four, the fourth meal of Shabbos. It's like this meal would take place after, like, Havdalah and all of that. And so he'd celebrate this meal to celebrate that Hashem gave him another day of life.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, you know, the interesting thing about Shavuot is that it happens in the middle of the summer. Like, this is probably close to the hottest time of the year. And according to our Haftarah, during this final uh, time of David, he was cold. Mm. So that has to be some supernatural thing going on because to be cold and you're palace in the middle of the summer unless your ac is blasting really high i mean that's interesting because i know on shava oh i would love to be freezing cold but uh right that's not usually the case
1: that'd be something supernatural going on there definitely definitely reason well getting that bizarre shame with their, their half torah Continue on
0: carry on
1: right so that shiva says, Bathsheba is also one of our main characters in this half She was destined to marry David since the six days of creation. Whoa. But she came to him in a painful manner. It's from Sanhedrin 107. And, and next, says, Bathsheba. Bathsheba was washing her hair behind a large vessel. The satan appeared to David in the guise of a bird, which David shot at. The arrow shattered the vessel, exposing Bathsheba, and David saw her. And, and some interpret it as like a, a curtain. And so I mentioned this this whole concept because a lot of people just believe like David saw her and she was modestly on the roof, but that she was a very, very righteous woman. She was extremely concerned and um, intentional about her modesty, so much so that whether you see it's a pot where it's pots or like a mat, she actually hung something up to cover her. So she wasn't just bathing for everyone to see her.
0: Thanks for clearing her name and covering her up.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that's, that's, that's one thing I, I encourage just anybody to, as they're doing their, their study, is give people a good name. Ooh. Like, look for the best, not just in, in people around you. Yes, do that. That's important. Also, in characters in Scripture. Because many times, all the these great people in Scripture actually sadaqim. The and their sins, if you, if you want to call them that, are only sins. They'd be like righteous acts for us. But their misdeeds and their bad deeds are considered, even if it's little faults, are considered like huge sins because of their level of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And it's highlighted in the Torah and throughout the Tanakh to essentially bring to us a message that we're supposed to be learning. And so, essentially, all these people are humiliated for the sake of us being reconciled to Hashem.
0: Well, uh, Well, all right then.
1: So, always give people a good name. Do what you can.
0: Amen.
1: Turn for the best, and this is of course the uh, have have her one with uh, about Shiva with Shlomo here. It says his mother bent him over a stand to beat him, and says, "What, my son?" Proverbs thirty one two. Everyone knows what your father their father was God fearing. Now they will say that your mother ca- her, caused, uh, caused you to be wicked, and what son of my womb? None of your father's wives saw the king's face, one she conceived, but I pushed my face in so that I would have a son who was wise and clear of mine. And what, oh, son of my vows, all your father's wives used to vow, I have a son who is worthy of the kingship, but I vowed, if I have a son who is wise, full of Torah, and worthy of prophecy, it is not for kings to drink wine. Why shouldn't you act like Gentile kings who drink wine become drunk? Solomon later acknowledged that his mother was right, it's from Sanhedrin 70b. And you might have noticed that it's all like Mishli 31 is like the precursor to this. And right after that, it's the Echechayel that we sing uh, and say over our wives every Erev Shabbat. That's right. Which, read the commentary, this is actually um, culturally from, from that era. This is Shlomo writing that, and it was really in honor of his, of Shiva more than anyone else. Yes.
0: Wow. It's interesting you bring that up on uh Chayyeh Sarah because Midrash Tankuma brings down the Eshet Chayil from Mishle 31 is what Abraham used to eulogize Sarah.
1: Yes. That's that's a whole, like, I don't know, several, several podcasters, several drash in itself mm-hmm. going through the Eshet Chayil and how, like, each letter Corresponds to a certain righteous woman throughout the the Torah, and so there's a lot of hidden secrets within that those those 22 verses.
0: Well, I wasn't trying to get all like crazy with it, but you know, I guess. All right then.
1: So what like you said, uh, um, you know, there's definitely a, another connection between like our our tour portion of half tour because Batshiva, Bat Sarah. So that's mm. incredible. Mm. All right, then. All right. We go to our other main character, the one who's trying to take the throne over here. Uh-oh. We have Shlomo Bin david and do you know how old this guy was when he took the throne?
0: I actually do not know.
1: So said, according to Seder Olam Rabah, he was 12 years old oh. when he became king. What? Yeah, 12 years old. Now, it might be a different penance because of other sources, but... twelve year old
0: that's below Bar Mitzvah age, man. That's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, wise. It <laughs> <laughs> says, so David and Shlomo were anointed, it's about his kingship, were anointed oil poured from a horn because their king kingdom is eternal. Oh. And so the word there is Karen. Oh. Which, you know, just a little side note, that is according to different sources and actually a name of Mashiach, Karen the horn which yeah. all kings are permanent, uh, who are permanent are anointed with, like Shlomo and David. Interesting fact here is Ruth lived to see her great-grandson, according to Baba Batra 91b. She lived to see Shlomo become king. Nice. And if you're wondering about what that scene looked like, it says, when Shlomo became king, his father placed one of Shlomo's hands in the hand of Biniah, son of Yehoiada, uh, the head of the Sanhedrin. And the other hand of the prophet Natan. Then his mother, Bathsheba, stood and kissed him on the head from Midrash al-Yishalem. And so he had Natan and the head of the Sanhedrin, also one of David's mighty men, like have his hand, his his mother kissed him on the head. So it's like this very powerful scene. These are all people who are with David in his moment of, of need and decay. So Shlomba became a king and then a commoner. One sage said, a king, a commoner, and then again a king. That's right. All right,
0: and that we have really awkward, by the way, to be like, "I'm the king of Israel," I'm a pauper, and then oh, back to the throne.
1: <laughs> yes, some like uh. Michelle, you Sure. Really? Did you have to? Wow. <laughs> All
0: right, then next point you were saying.
1: <laughs> All right. So then we have this this woman, who's also referred to as, as a. Shumanite, right? And this is Abishag. It says she was very, very beautiful. Even so, she did not reach half the beauty of Sarah. Sanhedrin thirty nine B. Wow. And it's also mentioned that she was permitted to Shlomo because he was a king, and forbidden to Adonai, uh, Adoniah, because he was not. Man. And lastly, it says there is a great woman. This is what you were hinting at earlier. There is a great woman. Second Kings four eight. That's our half Torah portion. The Shumanite of this verse was a sister of Abashag the Shumanite, from Pirkei the Rabbi Eliezer.
0: They were sisters. Okay. Sisters.
1: So this is—they actually do have a relation. So it's interesting how you know that half tour was right before that, and so you mentioned her sister, and now you have um, Abashag, who's who's in this this half tour, the one who's in charge of, of warming the veed. All right. There's there's several several other characters you know, throughout this, this half Torah, um, uh, Yov and Abishai, and we might, we're probably not going to get to all of them for the sake of time. Okay. Um, we might, might end up coming back to a couple of them.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, as it is with all things in Torah, there's always more.
1: There's always more. Uh, we'll just do one more guy. And this is the one who's trying to take the, the kingship, Uh, Adonaiya, Adoniyah, it says she had born him after Absalom, and Rashi comments that it appears that they would have the same mother, but uh, Adonaiya, the son, was the son of Hagith, and Absalom was the son of Makah, Micah. and it puts them together because Absalom rebelled against the king just like Adonaiya rebelled with him. This is Baba Basha 109b, and it also mentions that they are both the creator of strife. Um, and two more things here from Sota Nine B Doag, Atifah, uh, Ahithafel, Gehazi, Absalon, and Adonaiha fixed their eyes on what was not fitting for them. They sought was they sought what they sought was not given them, and what they possessed was taken from them. Sota Nine B, and then another one about about him says he exalted himself, saying, "I will be king." This teaches that he tried on the royal crown, but it did not fit him. And he prepared for himself fifty men to run before him. All of them had their spleens cut out and the soles of their feet hallowed. The better to run with. Sanhedrin 21b.
0: Wow.
1: So, probably not the nicest guy in the world. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, we kind of begin with this idea in our half Torah that... Like you mentioned earlier, like, this is, what's going on? He died in, in Shav- Shavuot, that's summertime, why is he cold? Yeah. You know? And, I mean, if it's just just old age, like, David didn't didn't reach as as old age as many of the forefathers. You know, he wasn't, like, ancient, didn't reach in the hundreds of years. And if it was just old age, why couldn't he be warmed with more and more clothes? You know, so there is, like, this strange thing going on, and what this attributes to is... One of the reasons, at least, is that he cut off a, gar- a garment of, of Saul, a corner of Saul's garment, back when he was trying to prove his loyalty. And so if we look at this idea of what, what a garment, garment is, what this actually stands for, it's like all, all the physical possessions with which Hashem gives us um, accomplish two things, like all physical possessions, even including just like the garments you wear, Says so it. They give us two things: they provide for our needs, and they reveal Hashem's providence. Wow. And so, for an for an act, for David to do an act like that, even though it's minor, and you're like, "Hey, he ended up doing that only to so saw that he had the chance to kill him, but he didn't take it." But for him, that was an act that was a great sin. So it goes back to what we say: all these sadaqim, their sins, their even their little misdeeds are brought out as these huge sins, and they have huge consequences. Uh, that affect their lives.
0: Wow. Just the corner of a garment caused that much.
1: Mm-hmm. Just a corner of a garment. For for one such as David, it was, this action was actually considered a, a, a sin. His old age, like this whole idea of him having this, this coldness where no clothing can keep him warm was a way of Hashem not only made, meaning mega uh, measure for measure, in that it was Hashem allowing that sin that misdeed to be atoned for him so it wouldn't affect him in the hereafter.
0: Wow. His punishment now so it wouldn't be later.
1: Yes. Oh man. <clears throat> then we get into this 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 story that a lot of people are like, ah, let's just not touch it. It's one of those stories that people generally skip and they're they're Tanakh because they're uncomfortable with. Yeah. And that's the story of this this woman who's hired to end up Warming the king to to bring her comfort. I mentioned that she was very beautiful, she was a virgin. Um, and David uh, it actually does explicitly mention that he never he never had relations with her.
0: Very so, important.
1: Very important. So that's what that's what the not says. So that's the clear text. And then commentary from the dot so frame goes on to say this.
0: Come on. It
1: mentions that. There's, there's three key points that it mentions about, about what she was assigned for. It says, standing, she will stand, so she will stand before the king, so stand, stand before, and be near to him, near to him is the next one, and she will lie in your bosom so that the Lord, the king, will be warm. And so it goes on and com- comment on about this. She will stand, standing means standing in prepared wait. so like, not yet near him but just standing in wait just in case he needs warmth and then near to him is mentioned because mentioned because standing prepared does not actually necessarily mean that she's going to be in his presence standing she could be behind the door in another room that's why it adds near to him okay and then at the point lie and it mentions he mentions this says if the ved does not improve then the proximity of another's natural body heat was a last resort to heal king david wow
0: Last resort, huh?
1: Last resort, and so there's this idea within scripture that uh, within uh, Jewish culture and halacha that that mentions refraining from the touch unless the per- person is your wife. Then you're supposed to refrain from from touch if it's the opposite sex. And what's the go? Go for it.
0: Shomer nigia.
1: Shomer nigia. I, I was th- I was thinking it was fitting for Shomer Man to mention that was called Shomer Again. Oh
0: <laughs> wow! Uh,
1: but <laughs> this whole idea that the woman, this Sheeranite woman, actually suggested marriage to David, he had this this powerful response to her.
0: And what is that?
1: Says she says to David, "Let us be married." No, answered David. It is forbidden for me to marry you. She didn't believe him. She said. When the thief can't find anything else to steal, he pretends to be an honest and law-abiding citizen. Ooh. But what she meant that in his youth, when he was strong, David had been known for his lust for women. But now he was old and his strength was gone, he pretended not to care about them anymore. That's what she was suggesting. Ooh. To prove that it was not so, David called for Bathsheba and was intimate with her. And Bathsheba came, as it says, Bathsheba came to the king to the inner room. And so a lot of people believe there's this kind of connotation, oh, he he was like people today. He, he traded in Bathsheba for a younger model, if you will.
0: Oh, yeah, which is
1: definitely definitely not the case. But it mentions like also David refused this because it mentions that he would have to divorce one of his wives that he had the maximum amount of, of wives that was allowed for king mm. and refused to have any more. And one of the ideas he was not he was not willing to accept a divorce for the sake of her husband, the beloved king of Israel. Uh, I'm sorry says, which among David's wives would not have willingly accepted the divorce for the sake of her husband, the beloved king of Israel? It would not have been a shame uh, for, for her, but a distinction. Nevertheless, the court forbade it. So there's the court that went involved and said, no one's going to divorce, even though the, some a few of his wives would have been very, very willing to, mm. just to honor their husband. But it mentions this. It says, if a man divorces his first wife, even the altar of the holy temple sheds a tear, as it says, This too have you done. You have covered the altar of God with tears, crying and weeping. He no longer turns toward the meal offering to accept it with goodwill from your hand. And when you say, for what reason? Because God testifies between you and the wife of your youth, whom you have betrayed, though she is your companion and the woman of your covenant.
0: Mm, That's deep.
1: So this whole idea that even the altar of the Holy Temple sheds a tear when divorces take place. And so this is why, you know, it's like especially David was very very resistant and the court was very very resistant because they knew this idea Right. they knew how important it was
0: and Mashiach was very uh, adamant about that as well because he talked about how you know the the man and the woman should not separate Mm -hmm. you know he says originally Hashem made man and the woman that they shall leave their father and mother and the two shall become one
1: exactly it's not, it's not something to be taken, uh, lightly. Right. So, uh, it goes on, I want to just keep on with this idea of, of why she was there though. And because it mentions, you know, that's mentioned that he didn't lie with her and actually goes on to say that David actually recovered spontaneously and did not even require that she lay next to him to keep warm. And so not only were they not infant, but she didn't even lay next to him oh. because it didn't get to that point. He miraculously healed.
0: Come on.
1: So what was she there for? Mm. And I think it's hidden within the text. It mentions several times. It says uh, in verse 3, they sought out a good-looking girl. Um, and it mentions all these people coming in here to provide a, a, a woman for the king of Israel, you know, for, their, for the sake of their family's name or the sake of the king and country and all that good stuff. And then it also says in verse 4, again, with this whole concept of a good-looking girl, it says the girl was very good-looking. And so you have this idea of, there's this idea of beauty, there's this idea of attraction that's being put forth. And when have we heard that before in regards to David?
0: Beauty and attraction? Mm -hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. That's Batsheva.
1: Batsheva, exactly. And so this is kind of taking back to that scene where you have this young, beautiful girl, this, this attraction that's meant to take place, um and that whole scene. That's why we read earlier all these scenes about um going back to his the, the sin with that Shiva. Wow. And all that is is all of this we're gonna see is a huge uh for that event.
0: So like uh, basically every day he's having this moment to do the opposite of what caused so much heartache and grief.
1: Exactly. Oh, my. Seriously? It mentions this. It mentions this. By being together with Abishag and resisting temptation, David achieves complete repentance for the sin of taking Bathsheba. Although he had already pented, been punished and forgiven, his repentance was not yet complete. He had never had the opportunity to withstand a similar temptation. That is the test of true repentance. If a person finds himself in a situation which he has once sinned, but this time he resists temptation, it is clear that he no longer has that weakness. He has overcome it, and is therefore worthy of having his earlier sin completely wiped away.
0: That is a Selah moment right there. Mm -hmm. If you just really just take time on the magnitude of the very like pivotal sin in this guy's life, it's just like on in his last days he's going to completely like rectify that that is like insane
1: yes <laughs> so this is the whole reason why she was there it wasn't like cuz obviously she didn't she didn't sleep with him that's clear from the straight text and commentaries that she didn't even lie next to him it wasn't needed so why was she there why was she there she allowed him to make his sin completely be erased away. She allowed him to make complete atonement. Like, even though he repented and it was good, this just completely wiped the slate clean for him.
0: Man.
1: So, that's a, that's a beautiful, a beautiful concept. All right, well, that thank you for us. joining
0: us today. This is the <laughs> end of the Haftarah podcast. Just kidding, but it should be. Right.
1: <laughs> Man, so uh, I guess we'll, we'll move, move on from this scene. This is the, the first, just in the first scene of our little half Torah. And we'll go into, I guess, this this whole betrayal of, of uh, his son.
0: You're talking about Adonijah, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Which is
0: so interesting that he, the name that he has for such the character and the antics that he pulls. It's just like, come on, man, really?
1: So, it, it mentions this idea. Um, you had all of them, all of these people, Mentioned this idea of David being cold uh, after you get past um, Abishag. Uh, oh, sorry, I lost my place here. Yeah, it mentions, it mentions this idea. It says, now Adonaiha, whose mother was Haggath, put himself forward and said, I'll be king. His father had rebu- had never rebuked him because, and it kind of goes on talking about how he was afraid because, like, Absalom betrayed him. And so he didn't want to be harsh and, and cause another rebellion like that. So he, never, he was afraid to rebuke his son. It says, Adonai uh, conferred with Yov, son of Zeriah, and Abathar, the priest, and they gave him their support. And so you have Jove this once loyal, quote-unquote loyal general to David. He had this idea, like, he was just going to betray David. It says, he knew David was angry at him for having executed, among others, his beloved son Absalom. Although David did not dare punish his, his powerful general, Yoav had a feeling that David might command his heir, Shlomo, to dispose or perhaps even kill him. He therefore sided with Adonai- Adonaiyahu for his own personal reasons.
0: Yikes.
1: And likewise, you have Eliassar, he was the foreign Kohen Gadol. But David removed him from office since he stemmed from the, the cursed family of Eli.
0: Uh-oh.
1: And so he, he was hoping to regain his position, and so he sided with Yahu. And so they're both, with their personal agenda, sided with their son, with David's son, Sika. And it's, just, it's really interesting here because if you're just reading the text, it talks about David suffering and, and this woman being brought in to help him. And then right after it mentions Adonai, Adonai, uh, Adonai who's, uh, betrayal, it says, but Zadak, the priest, uh, B'nai-yah, son of Yehoda, Yehoda, Natan, the prophet, Shemi and Ray and David's special guard did not join. I Come on. And so right here, you have this idea like this his, his old betrayal is like, he's leaving, David in his pain and then right after that you have this you have this this direct contrast of all the people who stayed with David mm-hmm. And so this isn't just some guy being being king it's like it's a direct neglect of his father's suffering and he's just running away from that issue he's not he's not acknowledging the hurt or pain or trying to help his father he's just trying to uh, progress his own personal, kingdom, his old personal agenda, just like everyone who sees surround himself with. And it mentions that this it took place, this whole meeting, his plot to become king, took place by the rock, Zochelet. And it mentions, what's the significance of this detail? The word Zochelet is related to Zechelai Afar, snakes that slither in the dust. Oh. It is a hint that anyone who would dare assert the kingship from David's Family deserved to be bitten by snakes. And so, why bitten by snakes? It goes back to Gan where Shem created the snake to be superior to all of the animals. Yet the snake was discontent, just like like him and all the others who joined him. Jealous of Adam, it persuaded Chava to sin in order to seize Adam's place. One who tries to snatch the kingship from David's family acts just like the snake in Gan Therefore, he deserves to be bitten by a snake. And
0: you Can you please tie that to the snakes and scorpions that we overcome by the spirit?
1: Hey, go for it.
0: So, like, if you think about the epicness of what you just said with, you know, if you want to try to usurp the kingship from David, if you want to try to take his place, advance your own kingdom, then you're up against snakes. So... Mashiach says that you will trample on snakes and scorpions because you're with me, i.e. people who try to take away my kingdom, the very thing that they will be destroyed by, by the fact that you are with me and not against me, you will destroy what destroys those that are against me.
1: Wow. So that's... (laughs) That's incredible because they try to take away my kingdom. Right. Mashiach's saying. Man. And I love this idea of this whole kingdom, trying to take away kingdoms, trying to claim something that's yours as if it's yours when it's not yours. And there's this whole distinction going on here between the way um, Mm Adonai is trying to crown himself king and the way Shlomo is. And so not only is he by this rock, Zohelet, which has to do with these snakes, Slithering from the dust, com- almost comparing them, and saying that he is like the serpent from Ganadin. But also, it mentions that he was he was anointed by the spring of Rogel, and we know that it's the custom that that kings are crowned by like a river or a spring. Right. And he gets crowned by the spring of Rogel. It literally says in the text, it says in oh, Rogel. Wow. Ein Rogel. Mm-hmm. So the spring of Rogel, this spring was where the women came to wash their clothes. It was Rogel because they would trample the clothes in the water with their feet. Oh, my God. Rogel to clean them. And then some say the son of Zohelet was where they beat the clothes after they washed them. What? Yeah.
0: Okay, and so, you know you're saying disrespecting the garments, just like what caused David yes. to suffer. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay.
1: So here we have like this this complete direct direct contrast. You have this idea that right right it's juxtaposed next to David's clothes not keeping him warm. And here he goes to anoint his kingship in a spring where clothes not only are they just wearing clothes, it's like the luxury of washing clothes, having clean clothes. And that's where he goes. It's almost as like he's spitting straight in King David's his father's face. Wow. And then not only that, it goes and talk about this stones of was where they beat the clothes, like we just mentioned. Like he said, disrespect of garments. Man. And so everything he's doing, it's like this huge. There's like this remiss to this this idea that he's doing this intentionally to dis- disrespect his father, and he doesn't care anything about his suffering. Furthermore, if you look at the gematria of Enrogel. It has the same gematria as Hanachash.
0: Oh. The,
1: serpent, the snake. Wow. Like the snake from Gan So this whole idea of this serpent is tied directly into where he's crowned king. So even though he has this name like, like, Adonai is, is God, right? He's mm-hmm. this, this false, this Foss false king who's setting himself up to be king when he's not trying to claim the throne of his father. Through anger, through anger, through through spitement, through through haughtiness, and you go, you, you compare this to how Shlomo was anointed king. Come on, and it says he was anointed. He was anointed in the river, or by the river Gechon, which is the spring of Shalach near Yerushalayim. Oh man! In the presence of the Navi and the head of Sanhedrin, Shlomo shall be anointed with the holy oil by the Karen. Right, we mentioned the horn that's yeah. used for permanent kings, yep. and also you look at this, this, this river. This was one of the rivers that flowed out of Ganadin. Oh,
0: stop it!
1: And so both of these kings trace their source. It's both going back to Ganadin. <laughs> but whether Shlomo is he's following the protocol, this whole stream that comes directly from Ganadin, but Adonaiya is connected with specifically. Not God and a Din, but the serpent that lies within it, oh. that's trying to usurp the whole kingdom. Mm-mm-mm. You know, I, I I can't help but uh but wonder if this is what Shlomo had in mind when he wrote Mishlei six. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Bring it on!
1: All right. So if you go to Mishlei six, scrolling down on the bottom about the sins that the Lord hates.
0: Oh, my word.
1: He says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. And what's the name? If you kind of look at the word for spring, it's the same as eyes. Right? A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, which is what he intended to do. Adonai. Adonai. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Or cause, some some translate as, um, literally one who, literally is, is achin, between brothers, bein achin, strife between brothers. And so I, I can't but help imagine, this is what he had in mind, this whole scene, where uh, Adonaiya is plotting the king's, like his kingship, to flourish, all while his father is suffering.
0: Well, that's an incredible tie-in to the Mishlei.
1: So we get to uh, this next part. It's um, kind of like after, like the the closing, going past the this whole idea of Shlomo's kingdom coming and uh, David being the only king, and it mentions that. Ad- Adonaihu actually sought forgiveness from Shlomo, and he, he granted him this forgiveness. Really? But, but it mentions, it says, after King David's death, Adonaihu indeed sought to provoke Shlomo, he asked for permission to marry Ashavag, who served King David. Shlomo realized that this was a pretext for rebellion. He, if he refused, Adonaihu who, uh, Adonai, who would incite his followers against the king, if he agreed, Adonai Adonaiyahu would thereafter claim a right to the throne. Oh wow! So he then commanded him to be put to death.
0: Yeah, yeah. Got to you got re- to make sure you take out the breaches. Yes, because the wall got to be like you can't have any breaches in the wall. No. That is just so. That that definitely is a serpent. You know, like. No, 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 it's cool. I don't, I don't want your throne, and uh, please forgive me. You know, just uh, that that little key over there to the throne. Can I have that? <laughs> Talking about Abishag, and it's just like no, and it's just like oh well, fine. I will have to kill you then, and it's just like no. Let me just take care of that for you, and make sure you don't kill anybody else.
1: <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's interesting because he he actually did it in a hidden way too. He right. went through Batshiva kind of like the snake in the garden yes. talking to Eve mm-hmm. to get to Shlomo, to get to Adam. Good night. So this and,
0: is but, all connected back to bare feet.
1: Yes, it's all connected back to the garden. But but Shlomo seems, sees past the wicked schemes, and therefore it's kind of like this rectification of what Adam did to the, garment, oh, the garden, man. what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to see past and see that, that Hava wasn't giving him this, this whole idea of truth. She was in a state of deception mm. and he was meant to redeem her, mm. not to follow her down to the path of, of of the serpent.
0: So the kingdom that is established forever begins with a king who in the last days of his life rectifies the very sin that caused his household turmoil, followed up by his son who redeems or Taccoons the original sin of Adam. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, you basically have not only the dawn of redemption but you have like this picture of just like truly extracting out the venom of the serpent and overcoming sin like beginning to do that.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible and like even even more so this idea of uh Avishvag the Shunammite woman this was all brought about, like through through her, wow. coming in and taking place, and so she allowed for David to t- tone for his sins completely, and then she allowed for through her the snake, this this rebellious son of of David to be taken out and wiped out, to be completely eliminated.
0: Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Wow. So, obviously, this is all culminated and uh, completed in Mashiach Yeshua himself. And the final part of the story is yet to come with his return. So, may it be speedily and soon in our days.
1: Oh, man. Well... Um, all right, what you got? I was saying if we had a moment to, to kind of take back and, and look at the people who... The, the small group who betrayed David, and sort of contrast them to the people who, who stayed with him at the very end.
0: All right.
1: Okay? So, we have Zadok, who is one of the, the high priests mentioned with him, with David, says, Had Aaron and his sons been alive, Zadok would have been greater than they in his time. Kohelet Rabbah 1-4. And said, He asked the Urin Vittorium and was answered, and therefore became the high priest. And that so is this, is a, this is opposed to Abathar, and this is these, these are like the, the high priest, one who got anointed, and this is the one who got rejected. Abathar, he um, says, He inquired through the Orin Vittorium, but received no answer. Therefore, it's written, Abathar went up. That is, he left the high priesthood. So to 48b, and says, As long as King David was alive, Abathar lived in wealth and comfort. Afterward, Shlomo said to him, Go to Anathoth to your field. Anathoth is Nob. Why is it called Anathoth? Because its inhabitants sank into poverty. Oh. Anayut, and the city became desolate. From Zohar one sixty three b.
0: Yeah, we talking yeah, gonna... about being uh, downgraded.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whereas well, it mentioned in Shlomo, he became king and then he became a commoner and then he became king again. Right. And so he he fought he fought through that that whole idea of being downgraded, he was willing to suffer as being a commoner. And I think we, we went through that idea in one of our, our first, like, Shavuot joshs. All right, we have Jove mentions this about Jove. What did Jove, son of Zeruiah, do to me? Or what Jove, son of Zeruiah, did to me? First Kings two five. So this is a little bit after where he actually does tell Shlomo 2, you need to end the life of Jove. Ooh. So this is from Bamedi bar Rabbah 23, Why did David do that? It says, what had Jove done to David? First, when David wrote to Jove, set Uriah in the fort, fort of the hottest battle. Jove did so, and Uriah was slain, whereupon all the calves of the soldiers gathered to kill Jove. He then showed them David's letter. Second, when Jove slew Abner, all of Israel thought that David had ordered the slain. David cursed Jove, and all of Israel knew that it had not been through David's order, and they were appeased. David instructed his son Shlomo to slave Jove in order to atone for these sins, because he wished to bring Jove to the world to come. And so all that, like David, who was kinda like Yosef, and that he put his brothers through all these these events, these hardships, not in order to necessarily punish them, but that that they may atone for what they did wrong. And so that's what David's doing to Jove here. And then towards the end of his life said, It is better for the court to kill me, in which case my son will inherit my possessions, than for the king to slay me, in which the king will say, We will inherit them. Upon hearing this, Slomo said, Do I need his money? And he sent Beniyah as a representative of the court who fell upon him, Job, and slew him, Yushalim Machot Mahkot 2.6. At that time, Job made two mistakes. It is written, Job fled to the tent of Hashem, and he grasped the projection of the altar. He erred as follows, only the top of the altar is a refuge, but he grasped its projections. And only in the temple of Jerusalem does the altar offer refuge, but he grasped the altar of the tabernacle in Shiloh, Malchot 12a. Mm -hmm. And so it mentions that it was Benaiah who he sent to execute job and this was also, he was the head of the Sanhedrin, one of the people who stayed with David and was not part of the rebellion. And so this guy says he was one of David's mighty warriors. Beniyah, son of Yehoyada, refers to the Sanhedrin, whose head he was, Brakut 4a. He was the son of a living man. He was considered living even after his death. He multiplied and gathered workers for the Torah. He smote the two areas of Moab, i.e. he lowered the esteem of the generations of the temples, for there was none like him in the first or second temple founded by David, the descendant of Ruth the Moabitess. He went down and slew a lion and sat a pit on a pit on a day of snow. Some say he smashed pieces of ice covering over a frozen mikvah, and he went down and immersed himself before learning Torah. Some say he studied the entire book of Torah Khalim on a short winter day. Draco eighteen B. Wow. It says David sent him over his guard, but never departed from the walls of David's heart. There will never be a separation between them. Zohar one seven. So it mentions him as this mighty warrior, but some of his battlefields, it's in 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 his his battles, is mentioning as allusion to his Torah study. Oh my goodness! And so could so what are you on,
0: saying? On a, what you deep,
1: saying? What I'm saying is on a deeper level, you have this idea of of maybe the Torah is giving us the uh, like the spiritual picture of what's happening based on him physically studying the Torah. What's happening in the spiritual realms? What he's doing? Mm-hmm. Going in a pit, slaying a lion like tearing down enemy strongholds through his Torah study and through his diligence and serving Hashem
0: <laughs> wow and, and you know you, you looked at his name in Hebrew yet okay it literally is composed of the first three letters of Hashem's name and then yes. the word Ben Ben <laughs> yeah so literally his name is son of God and then if you look at Ben Yahoyada, again, it's the son of the first three letters of Hashem's name and Yada, which is intimate working knowledge of Hashem. Wow. So like there's only one who knows the father who's been with the father. And so you have this picture of the son of Hashem, who is the son of his knowledge.
1: Wow. And so what does it mean when it, it talks about David never departing? Like him never departing from David's heart. That's right.
0: Yeah. Right. I don't know I said to I don't I come sit at my room. <laughs> it's
1: amazing.
0: All right, but you were saying wow. that just that just like hit me in the face and I just had to share the pain.
1: That was a uh <laughs> I will gladly share in that suffering. <laughs> <laughs> If you call it that this is pain i don't want to feel good no <laughs> <laughs>
0: right
1: <laughs> so this last guy who um he's not the only only last person but i thought he was very very interesting um shimmy son of gara known as the teacher of Slomo. mo this is one of the guys who who was with david and did not join this last rebellion says supporter of absalom he was also a supporter of absalom which is interesting Says as long as his teacher Shmi, son of Gera, was alive, Shlomo did not marry Pharaoh's daughter. Rakot eight a. So this guy, he was literally Shlomo's teacher. He kept him on the right track. Like as far as like Musar was concerned, and life, life advice, good life advice. Shmi's wife saved two righteous men, Ahaz and Jonathan, from death when Absalom's servants pursued them. Also, Shimi came to David and said, just as Yosef's brothers treated him badly, yet he treated them well, so too though I treated you badly, please treat me well. So he, he implores David to, to spare his life on account of the Torah, on account of Yosef. Yeah, then he goes on and says, Shimei told David, all, all the people of Israel treated you badly, and I outdid them all. Now I, now all the people of Israel are waiting to see whether you would treat me kindly. If you accept me, all the people of Israel will come and be reconciled with you. Something uh, about you know the Messiah taking upon all the burdens, all the all the all the sins, all the burdens of the people, accepting everyone upon himself. They're willing to come to him and humble themselves before him.
0: <laughs> and also a beautiful picture of Rabbi Shaul because Rabbi Shaul says, "I'm even of the worst of the sinners, yet Hashem allowed me to be one of His emissaries."
1: Man, it goes to show you. Just It's just one book. Seferich. Two more, two more points on this guy. Um, says, Behold, with you is Shmi, son of Gerah. What is meant by with you? He is with you constantly, for Shmi was Solomon's teacher. Solomon, Shlomo, told Shmi, Build yourself a house in Yushalom, so that Torah would go from forth from Shmi through the land. And being in charge of Torah education, he would not go out of Jerusalem, Zohar 2, 107b. And so you have this idea that even even though, even though he was part of Absalom's, one of his supporters, and he betrayed David, David's forgiveness allowed him to support his son and help him make the right decisions. And then he ended up becoming this, this great Torah educator throughout the land of Israel, specifically Jerusalem. Wow. And it had a further benefit. This whole reconciliation forgiveness had a further be- benefit from Megillah 13a. said David did not execute him, Shmi, Sh- uh, Shimi, who had incurred the death penalty. And Shmi Shimi lived to beget the ancestor of Mordecai, who produced Haman. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> so the, 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 the beautiful idea of, of what it means to be reconciled, that's... You know, the whole idea, how how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together. Man. You know, to dwell together in shalom and unity because it brings forth such blessing to the entire world.
0: Mm, mm -mm. So Shemmy begot Haman eventually?
1: He begot Mordecai.
0: Oh, he begot, okay.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That was a close one. Okay.
1: No, he, he begot... Mordecai. Yay. Who provoked? Oh, yay, who provoked Haman. Ooh. Ooh, get ready for per- <laughs> 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 So, you know, this whole idea that eventually this whole this one act of reconciliation led to the salvation of the Jewish people later on down the road.
0: Man, the son of David.
1: <laughs> so teaches a valuable lesson. You know, that, that we should always be willing, if someone is sincerely repenting and regretting their action and they're beseeching on account of Hashem, Torah, Mashiach, to forgive them, that we should open our hearts to them because there's abundant blessing that's going to come forth from that.
0: Ken Yehidat's own, may it be so, like, you can repeat
1: that, like, so
0: many times because, like, that is a very powerful Uh, teaching and insight that we all need to make sure that we uh, cause that to become a part of our hearts, become a part of who we are, you know, as ministers of reconciliation, that right there is like number one on the protocol.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely. All right. It's incredible.
0: Okay. So um, are you wanting to transition to the takeaways or are you still thinking want to give a couple more insights?
1: Yeah, we transition to takeaways. We just want to show the direct contrast because between David's supporters, who they were, of course you have Natan, who would yeah. openly rebuke, he openly rebuked David to David, but he didn't go around spreading all the gossip oh. about him. He didn't go publicize his tin, but he was willing to tell him directly. And so, like, you have this idea of, of being real and and open and transparent like those, these are people who you need with you at your side people are willing to tell you not not that they're going to be just yes men who are going to say yes to everything you do and believe but people are going to tell you hey, if you're wrong they're going to tell you they're wrong but they're not going to go around and and just publicize your sin to every single person in the world
0: good night
1: you now other other people who are you know you just see that's direct contrast where of you you know he he agreed He agreed, even just his position of being with David as his general, he agreed to follow his orders. Yet when David said, don't kill my son Absalom, what did he do? He killed him. And if you read the text, he waited for him to be caught and trapped where he was completely defenseless, where he could have taken him captive, but he killed him. And so you have these people who are just completely deceptive. They weren't real. They weren't honest. They acted like they were, yes, man, they're in his corner, but they really weren't. Wow. And goes to show you also, if, if we just constantly disagree with someone um, just for the sake of quote-unquote unity, then it could have drastic results. You know, we need to, as Jews, we're very opinionated people, and we need to speak on our opinions, we need to speak our perceptions, because the Torah has 70 facets. Mm. And if not, we're not willing to share that, and that's a, that's a glimmer from this diamond, that we're not willing to shine forth into the world. And ultimately, it might, it might cause spiritual death and damage. Hashvetshalom.
0: Will that escalated quickly?
1: <laughs> yes, man. It's just like every everything is really what it com, comes down to is like this is what Mashiach talked about. Like love and 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 kindness and and words come out of the heart. You know, everything that we have inside of us. Every 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 damage. Every external issue whether it's like a, a physical disease or if it's you know something happening it's all the result of an internal issue you know you have like like cells like in the body if they multiply at a rapid rate certain cells then you have then someone has cancer has fish you know yeah even if, even if you know someone you know has gets angry and they they punch someone or slash them then that cut or that bruise you know say hey that's an external issue right yeah. no but it resulted because someone had an internal issue of of anger or depression or or what have you mm-hmm. like every problem in this world is an internal problem mm-hmm. and so we really need to like constantly reflect in ourselves and understand that hey w- what's going on inside of me that's going to cause damage because all all the damages that we see you know if you have like a rash or something on the body there's a chemical imbalance going inside your body—it's internal issue, and so if you address what's the issue internally, then we could fix all the superficial, surface-level stuff that's happening, whether that's physical ailments or it's emotional problems, divisions within within people, groups of people. You know, we really need to always be reflective and set aside times to say, you know, what can I do better, um, and really focus ourselves to what Mashiach's talk his teaching of of love forgiveness kindness mercy because people ultimately their internal issues comes down from insecurities hurts and pains and if we just show people kind of we show them just this love this amount of forgiveness we're allowing them a safe haven we're allowing them a safe place and we're allowing them a little little dose of healing to take place in their lives a little little takoon that might spread through their entire body and ultimately down the road bring them a complete healing
0: I mean, that's so beautiful, you know, because just like the redemption, healing is also a process. And what yes. you just elucidated is as part of that process. Like no one can have healing if they're not given the opportunity to heal and those things that help them heal. So.
1: That's true. And I guess since we actually just sort of just slowly transferred into practical takeaways. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just tag on a one more if it's right. And then I'll, I'll hand the mic over to you. <laughs> <laughs> but we have in this part, so this idea of just going back to David had, had this issue was old. He couldn't keep warm. And then there's a section where it literally says, it just kind of jumps. It jumps from this, this woman who's there to keep David warm. We know that she didn't actually lie with him, but then it jumps to now, now, uh, Adonaiya, whose mother was Haggath, put himself forward. He put, it's like he pushed himself away from that event. Wow. It's like he saw his father, he saw someone who was close to him, someone who was part of his family, as part of his community. And like he just, he saw them like hurting and at the point where he was about to leave life. And he saw that. He had to. And what does the Torah jump down and say? It says he pushed himself forward and says, I will be the king. We can't live our lives like that. If we see someone hurting, we see someone just in, in so much pain and the point of, of I don't know, just just being disconnected or about to leave this world. Like, we can't just abandon them. You know, we can't be like Adonai who just goes forth and just, Progresses, progresses without a second thought, and said, "I'm going to expand my kingdom. I'm going to expand my personal life." We have to take a step back and be like that Shiva. We got to be like Shlomo, like Nathan, Benyahu, Sadak, even uh, Shmi. Shmi,
0: absolutely.
1: Who to knew he had a personal past betrayal, you know? And but he came. And he was reconciled. And it's when it counted, the last months of David's life, he was there to see David make all the cocoons in his life, he was there to, to provide him comfort and warmth and say, hey, at the very end, I'm standing with you and I'm going to teach your son.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, we got to be like those. We got to be the people who reaches out to the people who are hurt, the people who are just like departing in whatever form that takes place, where it's a spiritual or where it's physical departure. Like we have to be there reaching out to them. We can't just abandon them and go our separate ways and act like nothing ever happened. We got to strive for unity and shalom and we got to own up to who we are.
0: Well, you know, with that, um, two things I think of immediately is how seamlessly this connects to the, the tragedy that occurred in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and how, you know, during this time, like I'm loving the, the support And uh, all the different rabbis who are really writing and encouraging, you know, their communities and all Yehudim around the world. This is like one of the first times I've seen indiscriminate Jewish unity. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of Jew you are, whether you're Breslev or Chabad or Hasidic or Orthodox. Like, everybody is coming together on this. And it's interesting that it's through a tragedy and how this week's Haftarah, we have the unity of those who are standing with King David during his time of passing away from the world. That is so beautiful and so deep and putting that with what you said about we need to take a step back and we need to be these people just like we see in this Haftarah portion that are standing with David during his time of pain and discomfort. So man, Hashem, help us do that. And like, like, uh, the messages that I was talking about that are going out from these rabbis, they're encouraging us to increase our mitzvot. They're encouraging us to love more aggressively, you know, and, um, even the Bible app, you know, like the, the standard Bible app, it, it, it was dropping out, uh, this little picture, I shared it on uh, Instagram because it quotes Romans 12, 21. And you know I love Romans. As far as the book goes, not necessarily that I want to be a Roman. Not the exile. Because yeah, <laughs> right, I am not loving this exile, but it's Tikkun Berghishim. So uh, it says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. And I was just like, man, okay, so you got the rabbis getting in on this. The Bible app is getting in on this. And, I mean, this Hofter is getting in on this. And, like, what? You know?
1: Overwhelming. The wow. The Sims says today, if you hear my voice. Come on. You know, no matter where, it, where it's from, there's, there's a little bit of truth that, that comes from everywhere. We just got to see through and 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 understand the message the more we we dive in our scriptures the more we're 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 praying to Hashem uh from our sedor and and from our personal and hit our personal prayers yes the more clarity that's going to be revealed to us the more we could see the messages that ashim's trying to give us
0: hallelujah I'm about to throw some stuff in here okay so the second thing <laughs> Yeah, right yeah you pass. okay so the second thing is literally our very own Rebbe Griffin today, like Rav Lapid, completely talked about this in the Parsha Aliyah of the day, where Eliezer is there with Rivka's family, you know, and he brought down the fact that Hashem looks at what's on the inside and man looks at what's on the outside. But we have to live our life from the inside and our outside is going to match if we're living from the inside, which you just said that, you know, like if you're going to be a person of anger, it's going to lead to an external showing through bruises, you know. And so if you think about uh, what Rebbe was bringing down, he brought it down from the Keherd Humash about this is that a Jewish home is founded off principles of Torah, you know, so there is no home, there, there is no solid foundation if your house isn't built on the rock, which is the Torah, which I'm pretty sure Yeshua said that, so, um, that's crazy, so I'm just loving the connection and how it's so crucially important for what's inside to be, uh, really grabbed a hold of and taken into account on so many different levels. So what a par shot takeaway and uh, Hoeruk like literally get you some very deep and I definitely see Avi Shag as the standout character like her example shows us the, the connection through this whole thing because again she's the one who is there with Malik David as he is passing away, you know, and that's where we need to be. And she represents an example of his whole team, you know, being there, represents that whole idea of the inner essence that we should all be attaining to for us to be there with those who are hurting, just like Abishag. And I was looking up, what does her name mean? And um, Abishag is like, my father is a wanderer. And then Hashunamite is actually uh, a person who is very quiet. Oh, wow. And so if you look at like this quiet, this resting, like whenever we're ministering to people who are hurting, we don't need to come at them with words. Sometimes it's just nice to, to be quiet and to be there, to be warm, you know, and. That's a, that's not our natural thing. You know, if someone is hurting, we want to go, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I mean, it. you know, but it's like tears presence, you know, just being there. I One of the, the most heartwarming things was I was at work and I drive like a little, uh, forklift pal, uh, platform elevator thing. And I'm up elevated getting some of the materials I need to get. And from the ground I hear, Hey, I met I just I heard about all the things that are going on in Pittsburgh and how everything is rough for y'all right now, and I just want to say that you know, um, and he didn't, he couldn't say anything, but he just, you know, put his his fist over his heart, like beating his chest, and just this look on his face of like just man sympathy and and heartfelt sorrow, you know, and makes me want to cry even now, but. Hashem is doing something to unify us, and, and it's so sad that it takes pain and hurt for that to happen, for this unification to happen, which is probably why Mashiach Ben Yosef had to come first and die and, and be resurrected, because through his death and his pain that we would finally get the point. But man, we got to be together, and we will. So let's do it.
1: Wow. That's so bad. <laughs> that was incredible. That is incredible. Can I, can I, I know, I know we got to end for fix, but can hey, I say something on the... Use
0: the microphone, do your thing.
1: <laughs> All right. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you mentioned, you mentioned the Shunammite woman in our story. Mm-hmm. So my father has a concept of the father wondering, and then you mentioned the quietness. And so if you go later on in... First Kings First Kings nineteen it mentions Eliyahu wandering wandering away. He's, he's kind of running away, he's away from all the persecution. It says so he got up and ran and he got up and ate and drank, ate and drank, strengthened by the blood strengthened by the food, he travelled four days and forty nights until he reached the Horeb, the mountain of God. And he went into the cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here, Eliyahu? And he says, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And he goes and he talks to Eliyahu more. says, Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Eliyahu heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Eliyahu? Mm. And it's just this idea, like, as you mentioned this idea of wondering, here's, the, here's Eliyahu wondering. Yes, sir. And then you mentioned this idea of, of silence, like Shunammite. Yep. And mentions this, this calm, still voice. <laughs> and this is where, this is where God has to be heard. And so it's mentioned the wandering father. Well, Eliyahu's wondering, what is the Eli- what is the wandering father? Could it be Hashem wondering to seek after Eliahu, to oh. seek after that, that one lamb so that the sheep who know his voice could come back to him? Man. <laughs> and so what is what is this, this woman representing? It's it's the it's Hashem going after and 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 seeking after those and their discomfort, their hurt, in order to bring them back into the fold, back into a closer relationship with Hashem. That's what she did for David, allowing his Sims to be completely erased. And that's what she did, Shlomo, because he it allowed him to, like, see the true colors of his brother, have that kingship torn down before there was a rebellion against him and, you know, no temple will be built, you know, and all, all this horrible things that things that wouldn't have taken place if Shlomo hadn't become king. And so like this woman, like you said, like she represents so much something so greater. Hashem seeking after us, wondering for us, because of us, towards us, so that he can call out to us in a small still voice that we may come back to him.
0: Wow. That was pure awesomeness.
1: Man, you started
0: You know, I, I thought about Parshah Sarah, and obviously that includes the Haftarah and the Basora. And mm-hmm. um, all I could think to myself is this is like, you know, if you could just take the, the finest and the sweetest beverage in the world. And I don't know what that would be, but you take that beverage and it's smooth, it's powerful, and it's refreshing. That's what this week is. I mean, Kaye Sarah is just, like, absolutely legit. It's overwhelming. It's so smooth. It's so just, like, down to the heart. It's amazing. So, oh, man. yeah. What do we know? What do we know for real? <laughs> and in the words of our beloved Green Lantern Jewish guy, uh, we have a guy called Nerya Roke and he knows who he is. He always goes, uh, cause when we go, what do we know? What do we know? He goes, well, absolutely nothing. I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and hopefully a little bit more each day. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: He's just like, oh my word! Did you just? Did you? Do you even feel like? Uh, I, I was like, I know, I know, man, I know. <laughs> so, but yeah, the Shem. All right, um, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we say the closing bracha?
1: I'm worried that if we did, we'd just be up all night, Oh boy. which would be awesome.
0: Yeah, right. But. It would be shavuot, <laughs> but you know,
1: we'll we'll save we'll save that mitzvah for you know shavuot and other yom toes so we don't take away the mitzvah from those days.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, Bruchshem, thank you Hashem for this time. Thank you for my bro, Chassid's boss. Natan ben Abraham, Amen. Okay. Baruchata Adonai, haolam Zor kol haolamim, Zadik Beko Hadorot, Hael ha neeman, Haomer veose ham daber, Umkayem, Shekol, Devarav, Emet Vazedek, Neeman atahu Adonai Eloheinu Vene emanim, Devarecha vedavar. Ehad, meed Varecha, Ahor, Loya Shuv Ki el Melek Neeman Verakaman Ata, Baruch Ata Adonai, Ha el Haneeman Bekol Devarav, Biskut Mashiach Yeshua, Amen, the Amen. Well, Chassis, many blessings to you and your household, and Shavuot Todaruba, and to all the listeners, this is Shomer Manichassis. We sending y'all shalom. Shalom.